So let's say there is a business that goes to Phosphagy for the first time and never worked on open source projects, then that would be a more learning approach. So there's a whole slice of people, individuals, businesses that come just to learn. So they follow workshops, they watch presentations, find out about new projects they might be using in their professional life. And mostly they will talk to people. Uh, think of it as a pool of open source geospatial minds that you will hardly find somewhere else. Welcome to another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. My name is Daniel and this is a podcast for the geospatial community. My guest today is Andrea Antonello. He is an open source geospatial developer and he's also on the local organization team for Phosphor-G. And Phosphor-G is the topic of this podcast episode. What is it? Who is it for? And how can you get involved? Hi Andrea, welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Phosphor-G. I'm going to be attending the, the conference this year and I'm super excited about it. My hope is that by doing this interview with you, we can help get other people excited about it as well. Before we dive into the details of it, maybe you could just take the time to introduce yourself to the listeners, please. Let us know who you are, what your job is, and how you got involved with Phosphor-G. Hi, Damon. Thank you very much for having me. So by training, I'm an environmental engineer with a PhD in environmental sciences. But actually, during and after my degree, I fell in love with open source geospatial development. So uh, 20 years passed since that moment. And now with my very tiny company, Hydrologists, we have been active in environmental modeling and geospatial mobile apps. I have been lucky enough to be able to keep a foot in the academic world. So I'm currently a lecturer for advanced geomatics at the Free University of Bolzano here in Northern Italy and work also for the Basque Center for Climate Change on geospatial for ecosystem services, which is all quite fun stuff, let's say. In the Phosphor-G world, which is probably why I'm here today talking to you, I give on a regular basis uh, talks and trainings about free and open source software for geospatial, and that has been going on and off for, well, the last 20 years. Okay, so, so let's start with all the obvious questions. What does Phosphor-G stand for and what is Phosphor-G? Okay, so the acronym stands for, and yeah, we should say it at least once, for free and open source software for geospatial. And Phosphor-G itself is the annual global event of, it's the conference that promotes open geospatial technologies and open data and everything related to, which connects open and geospatial. The conference itself is hosted by the Open Source Geospatial Foundation, in short, OSGEO, which is a no-profit organization that, well, fosters global adoption of open geospatial technologies. To give an idea, the topics that are covered are very broad. So you have from education to research over to use cases and applications, obviously there is a lot of stuff related to software development of the projects that back up the whole Phosphor-G world. And quite important, there is also a whole part dedicated to transitions from proprietary to free and open source software for geospatial. I should maybe note also that this is the global annual conference, but there is quite some interest around it. And actually, there have been growing events that are localized, both on a continent level, but also on a country level. For example, 
In Germany, there is this FASGIS conference, which is huge, but also Korean, Japanese, Italian, and Dutch local FASFG events are quite noted. Again, so I'm going to be attending the FASFG this year. First time ever. I'm pretty excited about it. Last year, it was an online event for obvious reasons, but because of, of COVID. Is that the same this year? Are you going to be running an online and a physical event in, in parallel? This year, we were hoping for a full on-site event. But, well, clearly, as you stated, this, this is not possible. We will have the possibility to have 800, around 800 people on-site. And we will also give venueless mode to participate. So we're expecting, I should not say maybe the number because it's, it might bring bad luck, but around 1,500 participants. You're expecting that many participants to be at the event online? On both, on-site and online. Uh, half and half, I think, yes. Uh, okay, yes. Maybe I could give you a bit of history of participants and how this conference evolved. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So in history, uh, everything started 20 years ago. And fun enough, it started 20 years ago in Italy with a conference called the Brasgis Conference, Users Conference, in Trento, very north side of Italy. And there we had like 140 participants. From there, the conference traveled, well, through every continent. And there has been a quite steady growth throughout the year. And like 10 years later, 2011, in Denver, we had already 900, around 900 participants. And in 2019, Bucharest, there were more than 1,000. You were talking about last year's conference, which is a bit of an outlier because it was brought in online mode and by a very tough crowd. So it was very well organized. And we had uh, a little bit less than 2,000 participants, which is very, very much. Wow, that, that's actually amazing for an online event. Yes, yes, absolutely. So when I'm looking at the outline here, so I'm on, the, on your webpage now looking at the outline, it's Monday to Sunday, starting at the 22nd of August, ending at the 28th of August. I can see the first two days look like workshops. Then we've got a B2B event, the main conference. You've got some things happening in the evening as well. And then you've got this community sprint. I'm wondering if you could tell me about the, those sort of big chunks of, of time there, the workshops, the B2B events, what the main conference is and the community sprint. But could we start with the workshop? So two days of workshops. If I'm participating in these workshops, what, what can I expect to, to get? I think this one is uh, the part that interests most all those people and individuals that come and want to learn something new with a, a bit more in deep. Because these workshops are hands-on workshops of four hours, and we have 44 of them. Actually, 100 were presented, so there's a lot of interest around it. And you can think of it as a hands-on about the most important projects of the phosphagy ecosystem. You go there, there will be one or two notable members of the community that will walk you through either an application or the development of an application. Okay, so the, these are very hands-on events taught by, by experts. So do, do I need to know anything about the, these, the, this kind of software? Can I go there with a complete blank slate, having never used some of the software and participate? Is there some sort of expectation in terms of my expertise level before I join in one of these workshops? Well, that, that's actually a good question. The workshop description will give you an idea of the level that the participant needs, needs to have, because there are introduction workshops where you just go there with knowing anything 
And then there are advanced workshops. So the most important projects usually have two workshops, like the introduction and the advanced workshop. Okay, and I'm just browsing through the, the workshops now. I mean, wow, there, there's, there's a lot going on there. If I participate in a workshop, is there any sort of certificate or, you know, oftentimes where people are looking to sort of pad out their CV with, with something, show these events, these things that they've participated in, the, the work that they've done, the trainings they've been through. Is there anything like that that I can get to show people, I, I, I attended this workshop, I, I did this thing? Yes, definitely. You can ask for a certification for, for your participation. That will work. You will get one. Wonderful. So, so the next thing on the agenda is this B2B event, a business-to-business event. What, what is that? Yes, that, that's one of the side events that are particularly dedicated, clearly, as the name states, to businesses. And uh, you have to register to that. And usually companies gather there uh, like in a operative dinner mode and they do networking, exchange, exchange ideas. And it, it's really just dedicated to, to companies and whoever wants to do business, also individuals together. So with the workshops, I mean, it's pretty clear what individuals are going to get out of that. They're going to get this sort of top tier training by experts in some really exciting open source geospatial projects. The business to business thing, like apart from the networking thing, what, what is a business going to get out of attending an event like, like Phosphor-G? Why would businesses want to be there and be seen there? Well, there might be different angles to it. It depends on whether the business is actively involved. So let's say there is a business that goes to Phosphor-G for the first time and never worked on open source projects then that would be a more learning approach. So there's a whole slice of people, individuals, businesses that come just to learn. So they follow workshops, they watch presentations, find out about new projects they might be using in their professional life. And mostly they will talk to people. Uh, Think of it as a pool of open source geospatial minds that you will hardly find somewhere else. So as a business, you could get this But many businesses come, they are involved into projects, so they present advances in their projects, the project they are part of. And they meet with developers that they usually see just virtually online, and they work together to to fix things on the projects. So there's also the whole part about marketing and having a boat, but I think there is a big thing about being there for the conference is really the presence and talk to people, interact with people, develop together with other people. I have to say that it happened to me uh, also several times that we actually, for our company, we were able to make a business connection that then led to actual jobs. So both in the private and public sector. So businesses that never were to Phosphor should just know that uh, there is a an open ear to, to collaboration in the conference. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. It's, it's funny, when you're talking there, the thing that really stuck out for me is this pool of open source geospatial minds that you're talking about, getting access to that. And in a previous conversation, I kept asking you, well, what is Phosphor-G? What's the magical thing about Phosphor-G? And you kept coming back to this idea that if you want to know what's happening in Phosphor-G and open source geospatial, this is the place to go. If you want to learn about tools, if you want to be exposed to new ideas, this is the event to be at. And I, I think that that idea sort of comes through again with what you're talking about there, about why a business might want to participate. So, so moving on now, we've got the main conference. So we've got these workshops. We've got the B2B event. We've got a main conference. 
what is the main conference? I kind of, I'm assuming there's going to be some talks there, but it's three days of, of main conference. What happens there? Okay. Well, it's actually all about talks. In these three days, we have like more than 400 talks. They are divided by academic talks and general track talks, which, well, academics speaks for itself. And the generic track talks are more about use cases, uh, presentation of the state of a certain software. Use cases are also those things that attract maybe uh, public administrations and organizations that then want to make use of those softwares. So the talks are very short, which brings back to the fact that we were talking about the pool of of geospatial minds because you have 50 minutes of talk, but then you can hunt down the, the speaker throughout the conference. There are coffee breaks. There are a lot of moments. Uh, also, the the food is served on, on site at the conference. So every moment of break is a possibility to talk to people, to interact with people. So that, that's extremely important, in my opinion. I got to tell you, this, this is the reason why I really want to go to this event. I just want to sit down there for a couple of days and be exposed to all this stuff. And my hope is to, just like what you said, find people that are doing interesting work that are great speakers, great communicators, track them down and yeah, record podcast episodes with them and help share their work to a broader community. So this is the bit that I'm actually really excited about. So the community sprint, what is that? This, this is the last two days of the event. Yes, exactly. That's actually, you have me here because that's my favorite part. Of the conference, this is really a magic moment because uh, it started out as something, a moment where developers of the different projects meet up, they do together bug fixes, they decide a roadmap for the next year and so on. But in the last years, it attracted also a lot of translators, power users, documentation gets written, and there is a nice gathering of people. Also, in these two days, coffee breaks, food is served. There is a social event in the evening. So what developers and the community members in general are doing the whole year in the mailing list, throwing emails for hours and hours, they will have like a condensed version of two days of just being together and work together. Let's say I wanted to get involved in a particular project. And if I came to this event and went to a community sprint, is it too late? Is that a great sort of door into a project to getting involved? Or do I have to have been on the mailing list and been part of the project before I arrive at a sprint like this? No, absolutely. And actually, this year, we are going to try something new, which is an hour with the developer. So during the code sprint, since I'm the chair, I can say I will force notable members of the community to sit at the table and be open to anyone that comes and would like to, knowing nothing, would like to start on a project. So they will introduce them for an hour, around an hour, how to build an environment, how to get started to work on their favorite project. But what if I'm not a coder? You were talking about translation before, for example. You were talking about documentation. Are there opportunities for non-coders to, to be involved? Absolutely. So. The obvious things are translation and documentation. So you will get help on how to get started in doing translations, contribute translation, contribute documentation. But I think it's also a good place to something in between coders and users. I call them power users, but 
it doesn't just mean that they use the software well. I think most power users can also do scripting, simplified coding that most of the projects support. Like, for example, if you want to do a plugin for QGIS, it will be quite simple to get to the code sprint, get some help. And even if you're not really a coder, create your first tiny, simple plugin. And from there on, the door is open. That sounds great because I think a lot of the time it feels pretty intimidating walking up to a project like this and knocking on the door and getting involved because there's brilliant people already doing this stuff. You know, and I guess, I guess the temptation is to think, well, is there room for me? What, what can I possibly contribute? So I, I appreciate that. Have you been to other geospatial conferences outside of Phosphor-G? Have you been to, you know, do you attend other conferences on a, on a regular basis? Actually, not geospatial. I'm usually more involved in uh, or have been in the like environmental modeling part. So I've been like EGU uh, in, in Vienna, which is a huge conference that also has a whole part dedicated to free and open source for geospatial. So actual geospatial, I think I've always had enough with FOSPG and our local events. How do you think Phosphor-G differs from other conferences? So personally, I've only ever attended one geospatial conference. That was this year in Denmark, where, where I live. So, so I'm really excited to see what the difference is, because when I talk to people about Phosphor-G, one of the first things they talk about is the, this sort of community feel. They don't feel like they're being marketed to all the time. They don't feel like they're being sold to all the time. They're going because the other people are there, because the community, this is where the community gathers. So I'm wondering if you have... Like when you attend other conferences, do you feel that, like that, that Phosphor-G is somehow different or, or is this just what happens at conferences? It's probably difficult to be uh, not biased because uh, when I go to Phosphor-G, I really know a lot of people there. So going there is uh, also like, like meeting with a lot of friends that we made over time. The nice thing is you work on a project, then you work on another one and you stop working on the one the previous, there is a lot of turnaround. And what is left is just uh, like that kind of friendship. So what I find extremely helpful is when I go to Phosphor-G that I didn't find so much in other conferences is you enter and everywhere there are people sitting around and either coding together or doing stuff together. And it really seems like there is never tables and seats enough to do stuff. So you really find people, it's very informal from a certain point of view, if you want to go there and work and, and chat to people. It, it gives me that kind of warmth that I need when I go to a conference and really enjoy it. So again, you're talking about this real strong sense of community where people get together that you said there was never tables and seats enough. But how does a person break into that then? Because it could, like a real strong community can be difficult to, to break into. And every time I talk to someone who's involved in some sort of open source geospatial software, I get the feeling like they are really hungry for new people to help. They're hungry. There's a lot of work to be done. They've got ideas. They want to develop things. They want to go places with their software, with their project. And it feels like there's never enough hands to, to do the work. It feels like it could be a hard community to break into. Do you have any advice for someone who's perhaps like me attending the, the conference for the first time? Firstly, I agree with you because it's... If you go to places where people are already connected and they constantly work on something, it might feel hard to enter, but it's really an external shell, of just a feeling. So 
I would just firstly join the event. There is the icebreaker event, and that one is usually what really, that, that's why it's done at, at the beginning of the main conference. And it's really where people can just jump in and uh, have a drink with each other and chat to each other about anything. So I think that is the entry point for everything. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like, how can I get in touch with the people there? I've been wondering if I should wear a T-shirt that says, hey, podcast host here, talk with me, or I, I don't know. But it, it feels like I, I need to do something to, you know, sort of break the ice, to, to get involved, to sort of meet the people that, are, that I'm really wanting to connect with. So I'll have to think about that. So this year, the conference is in Italy. Where in Italy is it? Uh, in Firenze, Florence. In Florence, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. I was there many, many years ago on a bike trip. Absolutely amazing. For those of us that can't speak Italian, what, what do we need to know? What are some essential sentences that are, that are going to help us on our trip to, to Italy? Come posso arrivare alla conferenza Phosphor G? <laughs> that would be... No. Jokes apart, uh, I think uh, Italy has a bit of a history of not knowing English very well, but we are in Florence where people are very, very embracing. So I don't really think there will be any issue with getting on with English or some, how we call it here, it's macaroni English. So Italians will anyways try to speak some English mixed up with some Italian words. And this will just work. Wonderful. My last question, I'm sure people listening to this who are considering attending the conference this year, we'll want to know about the, the COVID restrictions in, in Italy at the moment. I, I realize these can change, but right here, right now, what, what does it look like? Right now, we don't have to wear a mask anymore in most of the places. I'm really hoping that by the time the conference is there, nothing changes because workshops are done at the university and universities right now don't have mask restriction. and it should actually, also for the main conference in, in a huge uh, spaces, it should be safe. Let, let's really keep fingers crossed that nothing changes. Andrea, thank you very much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to this event and uh, I hope we can see each other there. If someone wants to know more about it, if they want to reach out to you personally, if they want to connect with you or connect with the rest of the, the Phosphor G team this year, where, where should they go? What should they do? I think the best place to start at is the Phosphor G website. It's like, it's simple to remember because it starts with the year.phosphorg.org. And on the website, we have all the connections to the Telegram channel, if you're into Telegram. And there is the, the Facebook site. So we are on Twitter. We are quite present on all social channels. Maybe one thing we should add, if it's possible, it's about the registration, because it should be said that until end of June, we have an early bird registration still. So it's one month left to just get a discount on the conference fee. Until then, the conference fee is 400 euros, and each workshop will cost 80 euros. And after that, so from 1st of July on, it will be 600 conference fee and 100 the workshops. We have a travel grant. This is very, very important for those people that are not able, from a financial point of view, to get to us. These travel grants allow you to come from more or less everywhere. This package contains a free conference ticket and a help for travel and accommodation, which is um, 
divided in three levels. Like if you're from Italy, you get 200 euros. If you're from the Schengen area, you get 400 euros. And from the rest of the world, uh, you get 800 euros. So I think that's quite cool to allow people to come over. That's really cool. I will put links to those in the show notes of this episode. So I hope that helps people find it. So I think it's probably worth saying here again that it's you can find all the details on the Phosphagy website. And this year it's 2022.phosphagy.org. There's a ton of information there. And that's probably a, a really great starting point if you're interested in attending the conference this year. Andrea, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, again, uh, I hope to see you at the conference this year. Fantastic. Daniel, thank you. Thank you very much for everything you're doing and for having us here to talk about Phosphagy and see you in Florence and everyone else also. Sounds good to me. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode all about Phosphagy. So of course, focusing on this year's conference in Florence, you can find more information about it at 2022.phosphagy.org. And I really hope I see you there. I am so looking forward to this event. I, I, like I said before, I've never been and I can't wait to, to try it out. I can't wait to experience it. And if you can't make it, I hope you check out some of the resources around Phosphagy. I hope you check out the, the online opportunities there are. If you want to get a feeling for what this year's conference might be like, if you go along to YouTube and search for Phosphagy 2021, that should give you an idea of what this year's conference is going to be like. So that's it for me. That's it for another episode of the Mapscaping Podcast. I'll be back again next week. I really hope that you'll take the time to join me then.